It's PFTOT Thursday edition. Some things we didn't get to when we had two full hours to talk football on NBCS. And, and there's a topic, Chris, that we, we had planned to address, but uh, we sort of ran out of time throughout the course of the time that we were on TV. And that relates to a trio of soon-to-be third-year quarterbacks who were all first-round picks in 2018. Lamar Jackson, the last guy taken in the first round that year, the only of the five first-round quarterbacks who clearly, clearly is no-brainer, shortlist franchise quarterback. Josh Rosen, kind of forgotten in Miami. I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded somewhere else now that they have Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But three other guys that were taken in round one, Baker Mayfield first overall, Sam Darnold third overall, Josh Allen seventh overall, you could say the jury's still kind of out on those guys. Kind of. On a couple of them. May I, I don't know. That's why we're talking about it. Let's, let's look at those three. And let's start with Josh Allen, the only one of the three who's actually made it to the playoffs. I don't view it as a make-or-break year for Josh Allen. I think he's done enough to kind of secure his future with the Bills. They traded up to get him. They were craving a franchise quarterback. I think they believe in him, and I think when we look at all the things they're doing to make the offense better, they are trying to help him get to his ceiling wherever his ceiling may be. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm with you. You know, I don't, I'm not so sure, you know, any of these are quite make-or-break years, but certainly, you know, between Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Sam Darnold, I think there is more pressure on those three to, like what you mentioned, Lamar Jackson. And I would say out of those three, yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I think Josh Allen has the least amount of pressure on him as compared to Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. You know, Josh Allen won. I mean, we've seen special attributes from this player, whether it was the running with the football, his rookie year, where he did like some Michael Vick type things statistically. And then last year, you know, to bring his team to the playoffs. And he did refine his game a little bit. He was more accurate and a better passer. Was it perfect? No. But, you know, he went to the playoffs. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we're a little bit prisoners in the moment. You know, we, we remember some of the craziness that happened at the end of that wild card game of the Houston Texans game. But let's not forget, Buffalo was in the lead because of great things Josh Allen had done in the previous three quarters. He made some special plays to give them cushion and put them in a position of power against Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, let alone he did it last year with what I would call what is a very average group of skill guys around him uh, to accentuate his talent. So, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, I think Josh Allen has shown he's on the right trajectory and probably has the least amount of pressure out of any of these guys on him going into 2020. He's got the rocket arm. He's got the running ability that it felt like at times last year they were trying to keep under wraps to keep him healthy. We thought he would get unleashed in the playoffs, and he did in that playoff game. He had some big running yards. But that boneheaded mistake, that desire like Jameis Winston has to make something happen when nothing's there, that's the one area where they need to work on him to get him to understand, throw the ball away, take a seat, don't do that thing where you're trying to be Superman and save the day all by yourself. It's not going to work. And I think that's one of the reasons they're getting more help because yeah. you're less likely to have to be Superman if you've got the Justice League around you. Is that the right one? The Justice League is with Superman and the Avengers. Yes, of the you're Avengers. right. I think you're I right. That yes. right. I don't know. Yes. Um, all right, you got it right. Let's go to Baker Mayfield then. Baker Mayfield was arguably the best of all of the 2018 first-round quarterbacks based on his rookie season. He started the earliest, I think. He played the most. He played the best. Uh, even though Lamar Jackson made it to the playoffs, he got involved late in the season. 
But Mayfield regressed last year. He regressed horribly last year. His numbers last year were so bad. And I don't know how much of it was Freddie Kitchens. I don't know how much of it was Baker Mayfield. But now that Kevin Stefanski is there, what kind of heat is on Mayfield to really live up to that number one overall pick in the draft status that he entered with, Chris? I think that, I mean, Baker Mayfield has the most pressure on him of anybody. You know, one, because I think, like, you know, to, to, to the point you made, his rookie year, he kind of set a, a high bar and a standard to where we go, whoa, we, we see some greatness there. Man, this guy can do some special things. I'm excited about it. And then last year, hey, there was a lot of errant throws and bad decisions and head-scratching moments to where you just went, man, where did, where did rookie year Baker Mayfield go? Added to the fact that in Baker Mayfield's case or his scenario – you know, there's no excuse for lack of weapons. I mean, it's arguably, you could argue it's the cream of the crop as far as weapons are concerned around a young quarterback in football or any quarterback in football. When you talk about the two running backs they have, the tight ends they got, now the offensive line they have, we know OBJ and Jarvis Landry. So this to me, and along with being the number one pick in the draft, I think Baker Mayfield has more pressure on him than anybody as far as those uh, draft picks that we saw, the five go in the first round a few years back. Yeah, and look, here's the thing. With a new coach, and, and we see this all the time, new GM wants his own coach, new coach wants his own quarterback, and Kevin Stefanski comes in, and Kevin Stefanski, and look, if we're having the conversation about Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, right, I think we can have the conversation about Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield. And I look at it this way. If Mayfield in Stefanski's estimation just isn't getting it done, he's got Case Keenum there. And Keenum has already proven to Stefanski he can get it done because Stefanski was with Keenum in Minnesota when they went on a tear and they ended up in the NFC Championship game. And Keenum was awesome that year. Keenum was so good that year, I thought the Vikings should have kept him at $18 million and not signed Kirk Cousins at 28. That's how good Keenum was. And if, if Mayfield gives Stefanski a reason or if there's an injury or anything that gives Keenum an opening, I, all bets are off at that point if Keenum plays like he did in 2017. Now, there's no guarantee he's going to, but there's a different dynamic there with a new head coach. And, uh, I, look, this is the ultimate incentive for Mayfield. We saw how he played last year when the Browns had all the hype and when there was a sense that Mayfield was on the verge of being a true franchise quarterback. He regressed. Now the heat's on him a little bit. And I think he needs to realize the heat's on him. He needs to change his ways on the field and off the field and get to his ceiling wherever his ceiling is. That's what this is all about with all these guys. Get them to their ceiling. Mayfield right. was moving in that direction after 2018. He took a big step back last year. And the coach is going to have ideas for how he gets to his ceiling. If he buys in and makes that progress, he's golden. If he doesn't, then look, it's not like the Browns aren't accustomed to changing quarterbacks. They, they know how that works. And it's not like they're going to stick with Baker Mayfield longer than they should just because they used the first overall pick in the draft to get him, Chris. No, you're exactly right. And listen, hey, I don't think we addressed even like, hey, the pressure around him because of getting OBJ the ball. You've said that a lot. You know, you think that that was somewhat of a, the downfall of the Browns offense or Baker Mayfield's development was the fact that he felt that pressure to get OBJ the ball. And that is real. You know, I, I know I've talked about that with you before. When I first threw to Joey Galloway, I was so nervous every time I threw to Joey because I just wanted – every ball to be perfect and him to like me as a quarterback and, you know, like catching my footballs and my spirals and everything. 
and I, it added more pressure to the situation. You know, eventually I got used to it and I became friends with Joey. And then I'm like, okay, hey, he's just Joey Galloway, big deal. I don't think Baker Mayfield's gotten to that uh, aspect or, or that part of the relationship yet where he was totally comfortable with OBJ. Plus, we didn't see OBJ 100% healthy. That was certainly an issue. Plus, you had a head coach. It was, a little, you know, in over his head a little bit. And the one thing I'll say about the Stefanski conversation, I think it's really good for Baker Mayfield in this aspect. You know, they're gonna, running the ball is going to be the number one thing for this team and this offense. We just saw Stefanski came from Minnesota. That's what they want to do. That's why they signed Jack Coughlin. That's why they, you know, drafted Jedrick Wills Jr. with the ninth pick in the draft. Because I think they realize they have something special in Nick Chubb. They got a guy in Baker Mayfield who could be very good in play action and bootleg passes and stuff like that. And I think that could make the game a little bit easier on Baker Mayfield this year, where last year there was just moments where I went, it's too pass happy. You're a good running team. Why are we in the shotgun you know, seven plays in a row and doing this. And it became a little bit too much about the pass game and Baker and OBJ and Jarvis Landry. And I think it took away and put more pressure on Baker Mayfield, but took away some of the strengths of that Browns offense. And, you know, the point you make about Beckham and Mayfield, let's let's take a step back and remember what was going on in Cleveland after the 2018 season. Mayfield is at that point, the new star in Cleveland, right? Everyone's been waiting for the next LeBron in Cleveland. They thought it was maybe going to be Johnny Manziel who was there with LeBron's seal of approval. That didn't work. Now Mayfield re-energizes the franchise, takes them to the brink of the playoffs, and it's Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. Oh, and here comes OBJ, right? Just as Mayfield's getting comfortable being the guy in Cleveland, there's another guy. And I remember thinking at the time, is Cleveland big enough to have two superstars on the football team? And I just think there was always something there. There was always that tension. There was always that pressure. Every week, how are we going to get the ball to OBJ? we got to get the ball to OBJ. OBJ has to have the ball. That's not the way it should be. It should be the quarterback is in charge, and he throws to the open receiver. And the receiver's job is to get open, shut his mouth, Catch the ball, and if you don't get the ball thrown your way, don't come back and complain about it. Don't make it a point of contention all week long during press conferences. I throw to the guy who's open, and if you don't like it, get open. That's what should have happened last year, and I think that constant heat on Mayfield to satisfy OBJ contributed to Mayfield being dragged down from what he was in 2018. Uh, Mike, I don't don't disagree with anything you said there. I mean, there's a lot. You know, these are... You know, the mental aspects that a franchise quarterback has to deal with and juggle and overcome and be mentally strong. So that's a very real aspect. And listen, I also think Baker Mayfield brought a lot of pressure on himself. You know, last offseason, he went on a commercial tour like he was Peyton Manning, a four-time MVP of football. You know, you couldn't watch anything in sports without seeing one or two Baker Mayfield commercials during a break. That's going to put pressure on you, too. Because people, and especially people around the NFL, are going to start look. Oh, look at this kid! Thinks he's a star. Think he already thinks he already made it because you know had some had a little success as a as a rookie. And I think you know the media, and he gets blown up by everything. Oh my gosh, we have a star! He's great! He's great! He's great! And then as soon as you falter a little bit, we start to pick you apart a little bit and look at the things of where you might have gone wrong. So yeah, it's a it's a delicate situation. I don't know about you, Mike, but I do have the faith in these guys as far as OBJ and Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield that 
they have the type of DNA to get this right and and make this thing successful. I, I believe that. So we'll see. We'll see when it comes comes time. Browns fans have been waiting for a long time. They definitely deserve it, and here's hoping that they can get it turned in the right direction. It's not going to be easy, though, in a division that has Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, and now Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. One more guy taken in round one of the 2018 draft, where I think he's the one of the three where the jury is still out. Sam Darnold with the Jets, in part because I'm still not sure that's the guy Adam Gase would have wanted, right? Darnold, the guy they traded up from number six to number three to get, the savior of the franchise, the first franchise quarterback they hoped since Joe Namath. You know, last it's just hard to tell. I, I feel like Adam Gase is cursed when it comes to his quarterbacks. From Ryan Tannehill getting injured to Sam Darnold getting mono right at the beginning of the season. But this year, for Gase and for Darnold, they got to find a way to make it work because if it falls apart, I think they both could be gone after this year. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I think they did a good job in the draft. Again, got him a big time left tackle, got Denzel Mims in the second round, you know, Brashad Perryman in free agency, Josh Doxson in free agency, some value signings there. But I, I agree with like the first thing you said, Mike, I don't think we really know Sam Darnold yet. Like I saw improvement from him last year, certainly did towards the end of the year. And I like a lot of things about his game, but you know, we haven't seen him really play the competitive part of the schedule yet. You know, last year, because of Mono, the season was basically over by the time he came back and became the starter, right? They, were, they hadn't won a game, and then he came back in, and they beat the Dallas Cowboys. But they were already in such a deep hole that, to me, the pressure was off. It was off. It was like, oh, this is a lost season. Let's just continue to try to fight and be competitive and build something. I think you could say the same thing with year one. Year one, right? He had the little foot injury right when the season's about to get competitive in the middle of the meat and potatoes of the schedule. And he got to avoid that pressure of that season as well. So then he got to come in at the end of the year and he looked good, but the games didn't mean anything. So I still do question Sam Darnold. I like what I see. I just haven't, you know, we haven't seen him play the, what I want to say, the meat and potatoes of the schedule to know what he's really made of and, when the pressure's on and, oh, we're in the playoff run and we have to win these type of games, you know, I just – I haven't seen Sam Darnold in that environment yet, and I think that's probably the last piece of the puzzle I need to see. Difficult first half of the schedule last year for the Jets. Ridiculously difficult, and I wish I had paid closer attention to that before foolishly predicting the Jets to make it to the postseason. But they finished 6-2. and two. I mean, we used to get all jazzed up about – teams that finish strong well they finish six and two the falcons finish yeah. six and two it'll be interesting to see what they can carry over all right before we go chris you may have noticed this on your cell phone device or maybe you did not in cincinnati the effort to trade andy dalton has concluded in a failure to trade him he has been released by the bengals which show, it's not a surprise not a shock at all joe burrow is their guy the Bengals avoid $17 million in cash obligation to Dalton, and he's on the market now. He's available. Would it have been better to be available earlier? Probably, just like with Cam Newton in Carolina. But he's free and clear. He'll be available. And now, just like with Cam Newton, just like with Joe Flacco, we got to figure out where the hell these guys are going to land for 2020, if anywhere. Well, I, I, the first thing I think of with Andy Dalton is to reunite with Jay Gruden, who drafted him. And Jay Gruden's the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville right now. And, you know, we know they have Gardner Minshew, but he's still a little bit of a question mark and an unproven commodity. 
to where that might be a place I would look. You know, you know, there's a veteran guy that knows the offense, and if Gardner Minshew, you know, craps down his leg, as for lack of a better word, uh, or craps the, the year, bed, or does both or at the same the bed, time, or pees the bed, whatever it may be, then you have a guy like Andy Dalton to come in and save the day. But you know, I do think Andy Dalton, you know, is going to find a home to me quicker than a Cam Newton because. He's not as threatening as Cam Newton. Again, like we've talked about, Cam Newton's the type of guy that's going to – players are going to walk off the field and go, damn, why isn't he our starter? He's special. Andy Dalton's not necessarily going to have that effect. Yeah, I agree with you. And he's not going to walk through the door with expectations to compete to be the starter. It's going to cost less to get him. And, and look, he's not, that, this is where it's a curse to be as good as Cam Newton is, Right. If Andy Dalton right. was as good as Cam Newton, he'd have a hard time finding another job, too. Of course, he wouldn't have been cut possibly by the Bengals, and they wouldn't have taken Joe Burrow because they wouldn't have been uh, holding the first pick in the draft because they wouldn't have stunk last year. Anyway, um, I'm look, I, I'm thinking of any connection I possibly can. Marvin Lewis currently isn't in the league. He was the head coach when Andy Dalton was drafted, so it's not like Marvin Lewis could sign him. Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator in Cincinnati for the first few years of Andy Dalton's tenure. They're back up to Kirk Cousins as Sean Mannion. I, look, I, it's a different offensive philosophy altogether, but I'd kind of like Andy Dalton as a different set of eyes and ears for Kirk Cousins. Not, not as a guy who you would expect to play, but just as a guy who can help Cousins, you know, maybe see things he doesn't see, understand defensive concepts, and elevate his game mentally. Do you see any merit to that? I do. I definitely do. You know, and I think his skill set fits that offense there, too. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, my mind also went right away to, the, like, the Los Angeles Rams. You know, he's going to fit what they do there. Having just played under Zach Taylor's offense, he'll know that. He could be a very good backup for Jared Goff. And then, again, I'm going to go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the Steelers view themselves as a team that's a Super Bowl contender. Do we want to take the chance of – Big Ben getting hurt again and going down the same road we did last year to have to invent offenses and win games with your defense on a weekly basis. So right off the bat with a guy like Andy Dalton, I think of the teams who are in, wow, we have a team right now that can compete. If we lose our quarterback, can we still compete? And I think there's a few out there that I would say no, and Andy Dalton certainly can bolster those chances if you got him on your roster. And Andy Dalton ultimately had five straight playoff appearances as the starting quarterback of the Bengals. They have fallen on hard times since then. They never won a playoff game under Andy Dalton. But still, he was not a horrible quarterback. And I'm reminded no. of uh, a comment that was made in the, in the media um, back before Dalton was drafted out of TCU in the second round in 2011. A coach asked, an unnamed coach asked a member of the media back before the draft, has there ever been a redheaded quarterback in the NFL who's really done well? It sounds idiotic, but is there any way that could be a factor? We've wondered that. So, uh, yeah, Andy Dalton has done pretty well for himself despite the color of his hair, but that just shows you how ridiculous this process can ultimately be. How about the uh, a couple of other possibilities? Houston Texans, who have A.J. McCarron as the backup, Kansas City Chiefs with Chad Henney is the backup. Tennessee Titans, Logan Woodside is number two to Ryan Tannehill there. Definitely. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Tennessee Titan ones for sure. I look at that and go, that makes sense. That's smart. You know, I, I, again, I think there's going to be a big mark for them because I think there's too many of these teams who, who have underwhelming quarterback situations. 
where this guy's going to be able to help. So, uh, you know, I think those are a few good ones that I would look at right off the bat, let alone I'm even the Dallas Cowboys. I'm thinking about Andy Dalton, you know, you know, uh, uh, yeah. And I'm trying to think of somebody else. I was going to say Atlanta Falcons. I would, I don't know what their deal is with Matt Schaub or what they're trying to do, but that would be another team again that I feel like he could go in and run that offense. And if the quarterback did get hurt, they're not going to fall off too much. How about Blaine Gabbard is the backup to Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Well, he's certainly going to make you feel more comfortable, right? I mean, Gabbert has done an okay job as a backup, but yes, he's not Andy Dalton. You know, yeah, like you said, Mike, we've kind of disrespected Andy Dalton. He's had a better career than, you know, we want to all give him credit for. It's just he's not like a cream of the crop type quarterback. I think he's one of those guys that if he's your starter, you always go, he's good, but we're looking out of the corner of our eye right now for somebody better. That's the kind of guy he is, so... Uh, and I saw Pete dim a little, little light, 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 light us. He uh, texted us the Seattle Seahawks. You know, that's a good thought, too. I, I still thought Geno Smith was under contract up there. But that would make that would make sense if, if not the Andy Dalton to go up there. So their season's not ruined if Andy, if Russell Wilson had a high ankle sprain or something like that. Yeah, currently the depth chart on the Seattle Seahawks roster at quarterback is one, Russell Wilson. That's it. So they need somebody wow. at some point. And, hey, may, maybe maybe they – they were just waiting for Andy Dalton. I mean, look, we all knew this was going to happen. They weren't going to be able to trade that salary. They're not going to pay part of the salary. The Bengals aren't going to do that to try to get a late-round draft pick next year. They're going to cut him. They they will. And uh, now we see where he lands next. But I'm with you. He's going to land somewhere before Cam Newton because he's not a starter. He doesn't have to wait for that opportunity. He'll be someone's backup, and uh, he should probably do fairly well. That's it for this Thursday PFTOT. Chris, we'll check out. Uh, Chris Sims unbuttoned later today. The big effort making his return. Enjoy your Friday off. We'll see you back on Monday. Everybody, Friday, PFT Live. Big Cat will be back. Check us out around the clock at ProFootballTalk.com. Have a great Thursday. See ya. 